Episode 47, Church History, Part 13. Leo the Great, who began the papal supremacy structure of the universal church, was known as a doctor of the church or western church. Other doctors of the church were Jerome, who translated the Old and New Testament, Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, and Augustine, Bishop of Hippo. Ambrose was known as a Christian universalist who was influenced by origin. He believed in giving to the poor as a repayment of what God had given to everyone equally with the rich having more. Ambrose believed Mary was the mother of God and saw her as a model of virginity. He said celibacy was superior to marriage because of Mary's virgin birth was worthy of God. This is where the Catholic Christian leaders began to solidify its views on not getting married, but becoming monks of the church. Historians note Ambrose saying, We confess that Christ the Lord was born from a virgin, and therefore we reject the natural order of things, because she conceived not from a man, but from the Holy Spirit. Prior to Ambrose becoming a bishop, he was a popular political figure. As bishop, he lived aesthetically, gave money to the poor, therefore he was very popular, and even had more political power than the emperor. Ambrose developed the Christian Catholic Universal Church into a government with political and legal structures and policies. Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan, influenced Leo the Great and Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo. Augustine grew up in North Africa with a Christian mom and a pagan dad. He focused on rhetoric, which is the study and art of writing and speaking well, being persuasive, and knowing how to compose successful writings and presentations. He was going to be an attorney or a politician. He read the Christian Bible. He didn't care for it. He said it wasn't written well. So he embraced Manichaeism, which is a mix of Christian, Persian, and Indian religions. Manichaeism believed good and evil were equal and neither one could destroy the other. It was a form of Gnosticism, offering special knowledge or of special truth. God was powerful, but not omnipotent and was opposed by evil, the devil. That religion was founded by the Persian Mani. Monarchism followed asceticism, which is severe discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence for religious reasons. Leaders had to live a life of strict devotion to the church, celibacy, vegetarianism, and be poor. But when Augustine's mom found out about his new religion, she kicked him out the house. Later on, he moves to Rome and starts tutoring rhetoric. In Rome, Augustine is introduced to the teachings of Ambrose and eventually moves away from Manichaeism. Then he's introduced to Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism is a philosophical school of thought rooted in the teachings of philosophies of Plato. The religion was attributed to or founded by Plotinus, who taught his philosophies as well as Plato's philosophies for over 20 years. Neoplatonism focused on the one, the intelligence and the soul. And from these three beliefs, all existence emanates or is originated from. Per Plotinus writings in the Enneid Roman numeral 6, 9.4, the one is achieved through the experience of its power and its nature, which is to provide a foundation and location for all existence. So after Augustine learns the philosophies of Plato, he decides to go and reread the Bible and he begins to like it. He abandons Neoplatonism and allows Ambrose to baptize him. 
Augustine becomes a monk. He moves from Rome back to North Africa. There he becomes a prominent figure in the Christian church. He was a priest for five years, then a bishop for 35 years, and even pastored a church or community in Hippo. Plato.stanford.edu states, His rhetorical skills equipped him well for his daily preaching and for religious disputes. Throughout his life as a bishop, he was involved in religious controversies with Manichaeisms, Donatists, Pelagians, and to a lesser extent, pagans. Most of the numerous books and letters he wrote in that period were part of these controversies, or at least inspired by them. And even those that were not combined philosophical or theological teaching with rhetorical persuasion. A man, the Christian mom, pagan dad, didn't like Christianity at first, but embraced Manichaeism. He's introduced to Neoplatonism, which heavily focused on Plato philosophies. And finally, he embraces the teachings of Ambrose, who is influenced by Origen and is baptized by him. And today, Augustine is credited in forming the Christian church foundational principles and doctrines on grace, sin, predestination, free will, and justification. Let's look at Augustine's doctrine of grace. Augustine says, per plato.stanford.edu, human beings in their present condition are unable to do or even to will the good by their own efforts. Decevitate, Day, 19.4, Walterstorff, 2012. After and because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we have lost our natural ability of self-determination, which can only be repaired and restored by the divine grace that has manifested itself in the incarnation and sacrifice of Christ and works inwardly to free our will from its enslavement to sin. Confession of sin and humility are, therefore, basic Christian virtues and attitudes. The philosopher's confidence in their own virtue that prevents them from accepting the grace of Christ is an example of the sinful pride that puts the self in the place of God and was the core of the evil angel's primal sin. Decevitate Day 10.29 the main inspiration for Augustine's doctrine of grace is, of course, Paul. Even though remarks on human weakness and divine help are not absent from the ancient philosophical tradition, and especially from Platonism, which had a strong religious side from the beginning, Augustine claims that with such utterances, the Platonists inadvertently confessed grace. The Civitate Day 10.2922.22. So Augustine believed that humans are naturally inclined to sin and are in need of the grace of Christ. Also believed that Mary was full of grace. He believed baptism, while it does not confer any grace when done outside the church, does confer grace as soon as one is received into the Catholic Church. United Methodist Church defines grace as the love and mercy given to us by God because God desires us to have it, not necessarily because of anything we have done to earn it. Catechism of the Catholic Church. 
Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God, adoptive sons, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. Christianity.com Grace is the most important concept in the Bible, Christianity and the world. It is most clearly expressed in the promises of God revealed in scripture and embodied in Jesus Christ. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, the unmerited favor of God. A shorthand for what grace is, mercy, not merit. Grace is the opposite of karma, which is all about getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. Christianity.com lists ways people have defined grace. Grace is free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving B.B. Warfield. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues John Stott. Grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. Jerry Bridges. Grace is unconditional love toward a person who does not deserve it. Paul Zoll. But what does Yeshua say about grace? Truth Wars search the teachings of Yeshua in the King James Version and found not one mention of grace by Yeshua. Not one time. Now our study should stop here since Yeshua did not mention grace not one time. But let's see what his disciples wrote. In reading the verses the disciples wrote on grace, they seem to always refer to grace as Yeshua himself. Let's read Luke 2 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of Yah was upon him. John 1 14 through 17. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Yeshua HaMashiach. James 2 said, Yah gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 1 and 2. Elect according to foreknowledge of Yah the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Verse 13, wherefore, gird up the lungs of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach. Second Peter 1 and 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Yah and of Yeshua HaMashiach. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior Yeshua HaMashiach. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Jude 1 and 4 For there are certain men crept in unawares 
who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Yah into lasciviousness and denying the only Yah and our Yeshua HaMashiach. Revelation 22:21. The grace of our Yeshua HaMashiach be with you all. Amen. The word grace is used regularly after Christians were determined or defined in Antioch. And the word grace is throughout all of the books or letters written by Paul. In fact, grace is mentioned over 100 times in the King James Version. The disciples referred to grace about 21 times, and it mostly referred back to Yeshua. Yeshua mentioned grace zero times. So that's Paul 101 times, the disciples about 21 times referring to Yeshua mostly, and Yeshua zero times. And we've been studying the Christian Catholic Universal Church and how they've built their religion on the teachings of Paul and not the teachings of Yeshua. The grace theology of Augustine was per Paul, not Yeshua. It's evident when you read the scriptures and historians verify this point as well. Yeshua never mentioned grace, but his disciples did. And their writings refer back to Yeshua himself as grace or salvation. In the Old Testament, grace is often referred to as the favor of Yah, the unmerited favor of Yah. But when Yeshua came, it looks like he was now the grace we needed to live holy unto our Yah. Grace became salvation. Salvation is deliverance from sin. When you get some time, please reread the scriptures disciples wrote on grace. Replace grace with salvation. It will make a difference. Yeshua did not mention grace, but he did tell us to believe. Matthew 21, 21. Yeshua answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Yeshua taught us to believe in the Father that sent him. He came to save the lost children of Israel, us and Gentiles who believe. And even though Adam sinned, the Hebrew culture still had to live by the standards of the Most High. We were required to offer holy, unblemished sacrifices to Yah. Then Yeshua came as our ultimate sacrifice, and through His blood, our sins are forgiven. Yeshua became our salvation, our deliverance from sin, our grace. Luke 5 and 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Mark 9, 20. Yeshua said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. John 6 and 29. Yeshua answered and said unto them, This is the work of Yah, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. John 6, 49. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John 5 and 24. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. By faith, we can live a life that is pleasing to the Most High. We can no longer use grace as an excuse to sin because grace means salvation or deliverance of sin. To sin means you don't have grace or salvation. And to say you have grace and you're willfully sinning means you're contradicting yourself over and over again. Salvation is deliverance from sin. That is the grace of Yah to allow his son Yeshua to die and save us from our sins. Our job is to believe, become believers, not Christians, but believers who believe that Yeshua delivers us from all sin and unrighteousness. Yeshua is salvation. Salvation is grace. So when I get up in the morning, I must believe that I can live and will live a life today that's pleasing to Yah because of Yeshua, his salvation, delivering me from sin. Now, instead of sinning, because grace is there to catch me and cover me. Now I understand that I do not sin because of grace, because Yeshua is mind and our salvation. He delivers us from sin. That's grace. Augustine developed his grace theology from different pagan teachings and philosophies, which did not agree with the teachings of Yeshua or his disciples. Nevertheless, the grace theology as we continue to study the Christian church will be its very foundation from then until now. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars, truth reigns, truth speaks, truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.